Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM in Palestine, remembered with Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi, Robert Martin and Nasser Meshni. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause in English language. I would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. In today's episode, we will be talking about Jerusalem, Gaza, and Marwan Barghouti, the nomination from Desmond Tutu. So stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, uh, Robert and Nasser. Morning, Yusuf. Good morning, gentlemen. Ready for another uh, great show? Yeah, absolutely. All right, what do we have uh, today? Um, we have, we're going to speak about Gaza. We're also going to uh, touch on your um, talk, a very successful talk a couple of nights ago in, in the city, and uh, some other hot topics. Also, we, we need to touch on some great work by um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Bravo. All right, so we'll start with uh, maybe uh, maybe the talk and the talk. You know, look, yeah. look, I think one of the highlights of the talk, from my part, um, from my point of view, Yusuf, was when we we spoke about your personal stories and weaving those through with the facts of the de-Arabization of Jerusalem, but also um, where, where the Wailing Wall is now, and that um, what the the, the um, Moroccan uh, quarter that was ethnically cleansed in the first instance, and then B what was. Um, the bulldozing that moved in immediately hmm. uh, post the, uh, the Naqsa. In fact, Hayy uh, al-Magharba was bulldozed three days after the occupation of uh, Jerusalem. And it kind of told the world that Israel uh, is going to start a policy of systematic ethnic cleansing. I mean, uh, within three days, the bulldozers were there and they actually uh, kicked out hundreds of families from Hayy al-Magharibah and never allowed them to return. And uh, some of them are relatives of mine, so I know personal stories. I had the pleasure of talking to them over and over again and showing some of their sufferings on the lecture. Uh, So uh, basically, it was the beginning of five decades of systematic ethnic cleansing of Jerusalem, which is which is inconsistent with the Israeli policy of uh, colonizing uh, Palestine. We know that ethnic uh, cleansing of Palestine started in the 30s. So uh, with Jerusalem, they have the policy of Jewish majority because uh, unlike West Bank, uh, that uh, which was occupied in 67, Uh, Jerusalem had had its own uh, laws and regulations, for example, not not allowing the residents of Jerusalem 
the right to stay Jordanians because the people of West Bank held their Jordanian passports, but the Palestinians in Jerusalem uh, had to uh, or were prevented from maintaining their Jordanian passports. Number two, they were not even griv- uh, given the rights to uh, the same rights that Arabs in proper Israel had, which is what they call citizenship rights. So they were somewhere in the middle between the people of West Bank and the, the, uh, the Palestinians of Israel. And this fragile legal and administrative system, they made it so complicated to the extent that, you know, experts will find it difficult to tackle and it will be difficult to uh, sue them in international courts because there will be so many loopholes that will make any court case go endless and perpetual. So the ethnic cleansing of Palestine and the Jewish majority of Jerusalem uh, was one of the uh, one of the topics we spoke about uh, two days ago. Yeah, but it, w- w- where where the uh, ethnic cleanse was uh, so clear in 1948, yeah, following Diriyasin and the bulldozing of villages, this the the immediate bulldozing of this uh, section of. Uh, of Jerusalem and all the people that are displaced. I mean, it was brutal. This is bulldozer, mm. you know, bulldozing moon, 700 year old. Yeah, moonscaping a platform to create, you know, a piazza so that they could a pray, but also as a tourist attraction. Mm. I mean, you know, they take the soldiers down there and make them swear the oath and uh, uh, on their graduation to re-energize uh, the, the the soldiers and re-indoctrinate them to to a militant form of Judaism through that Zionism. It's it's really quite sickening. And what's beneath that touristic destination or a place of worship is hidden and stolen memories of thousands of, of at least 1,000 years of continued presence of Palestinians. Continued. Today's today's families who, who, who are still not being uprooted from Jerusalem are the grandchildren of the ancestors of more than 1,000 years. People can trace back their lineage to at least 1,000 years. And when you you bulldoze 700-year-old buildings and when you you, uh, evict uh, hundreds of Palestinians to just make room for uh, a place of worship or a touristic destination, it tells you what kind of mentality is, uh, is uh, or, or how the occupation would have looked like to, uh, from, from day well, one. Well, how it manifests itself. I mean, and, and it's completely inconsistent with the concept of creating two states for two peoples, which is something they've espoused from mm. word dot. And we get to the point where we are today, where a Knesset is filled with rabid um, Zionists and militaristic Zionists that call for the no establishment. They said that Palestine state exists. There is a Palestinian state. It's called Jordan. Go there. Hmm. You know, while I was uh, preparing for the lecture, I came by uh, an interview with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu on BBC in 1997. That's 20 years ago, and that's before ISIS and Qaeda. And when he was asked about uh, Jerusalem, and he said, I quote, if I had to choose between Jerusalem and peace, I would choose Jerusalem. So not just the Palestinian state, the whole concept of peace. And this this guy doesn't know peace. I mean, he would only say that because he wants a piece of something else, you know, a piece of money, a piece P-I-E-C-E. of James, Backer, James Packer now as well, yeah? So, Yusuf, I spoke about West Jerusalem before. Can you take us, because it's often misconstrued what is West and what is East Jerusalem, take us through Jerusalem before 1948. Jerusalem before 48 were the old city and the neighboring villages. You're talking about 120 villages. 
you have around 30 villages to the west and the other 90 villages to the north, east and south. Now, the 30 villages to the west is what is today called West Jerusalem. And uh, the misconception is that the Jewish forces seized control of the Jewish part of Jerusalem and called it West Jerusalem is wrong because this is in total disregard of the ownership uh, of the Arab ownership, Christian and Muslim ownership of these 30 villages. And enough to mention Deryasin. Deryasin is where the brutal massacre took place in April 48. And um, without their scene, without the fear created, without the horror and the amplification of horror, the systematic amplification of horror, the state of Israel wouldn't have been born. And this is not my opinion. This is what the former president or, or prime minister of Israel, Menachem Begin, and former Irgun member, which was viewed by the British forces as a terrorist group, says. Menachem Begin says in his uh, book, The Revolution, that had it not been for Deryasin, the state of Israel wouldn't have been born. And yes, he was right. The, f- the fear, the horror that was created because of that made room for, an, uh, f- and, and also the other, the later uh, events of 48, made room for uh, the creation of Israel. And therefore, West Jerusalem is an Arab territory and it is Muslim and Christian territory. That's where Edward Saiz is is, is from. Mm -hmm. That's where Afif Safi is is, uh, from. That's where, you know, more than 100 and um, I would say 200,000 Palestinians are from. And therefore, the whole of Jerusalem is a Palestinian land, Christian and Muslim. So I guess we can speak for hours and hours about Jerusalem and we will feel that we are still beginning. So we'll come back to the issue of Jerusalem as uh, we cover it in future episodes. But now we will move to the siege of Gaza. Well, the ongoing siege of Gaza, Yusuf. And as you know, June 2007 is when the, the Gaza was locked down, mm. air, land, sea by, by Israel. Um, so we've completed 10 years. And, you know, one of, the, one of the concepts that gets lost on people is the barbarity of what a siege is, you know, because the the reality of a siege, and we've got to go back to medieval times to start thinking of it, you know, to create a picture for listeners' minds, is of having a castle and an invading force surrounding the castle, cutting the water supply so there's no water in there, not letting any food go in, you know, hurling construction construction material, food, the catapults of the rocks going through, and, and forcing the inhabitants of the castle to either die from um, malnutrition or lack of food or thirst or for them to um, surrender. And that's the concept of siege. Now, it doesn't have a, an equivalence, you know, in modern times. We have the situation, you know, the, 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 the Warsaw ghettos you know, in, in, in Nazi times. But here we are today, 10 years, 2 million people, 50% of those people are children under the age of 18, locked. The daily calorific intake is calculated and only that much food is brought in. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Two million people. We've got to know that Gaza is 365 square kilometers. It's probably the most dense. It is the most densely populated place on Earth. And on Earth. Gaza, two million people. Tasmania, 650,000 people. Oh, excuse me, 520,000 people so in Tasmania. So that would be 25% of Gaza. Um, a quarter of Gaza. Gaza fits into Tasmania 190 times. Mm. So you get a you get a a, a, de- a population density of p- or people per square kilometer in Tasmania of Tasmanians is 7.6 people per square kilometer, which is a kilometer by kilometer. So you couldn't even see these people. Yeah, 
In Gaza, it's 5,500 people per square kilometre. Um, since 2007 mm. to, to, to date, we've had three major military incursions. Aside from the, uh, the brutality of um, decreased fishing zones for fishermen, the, aside from the brutality of not letting in construction materials, three times a first world army, nuclear powered army, nuclear submarines, has sent in all the machines of war to rain terror down on these people. Not to mention the 2006 uh, summer rain operation. Oh, 2006, is, before, before the before, siege, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, and which that, was as brutal. Well, you, you got to love the names that these the, the, these guys. The romantic yeah, names. The summer rain, yeah. Cast lead, pillar of defense, protective edge. I mean, they're almost like um, uh, uh, album titles. You know, you're waiting for hot August night. You know, like <laughs> Neil Diamond. And they and, and the safety for the Galili you know, safety, going yeah. to Lebanon and killing twenty thousand people. And in the same time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and what what doesn't you know ever get translated is aside from the, the the human casualty you know thousands of people and often often fifty percent of them children mm. is the devastation to infrastructure bombing the hospitals bombing the mosques bombing schools bombing roads the only power plant gets bombed three times each time mm. and we're going to talk about the lack of electricity in a, in a moment but the follow uh, uh, protective edge which finished in August of fourteen. Hundreds of thousands of people were left homeless because the homes were eradicated. Mm. Uh, I'm sure we've all seen footage of that drone flying over uh, parts of Gaza. They're yeah, denied, especially the area of uh, Jabalia. Yeah, camp. Jabalia, absolutely. Mm. They've not let the construction Total materials to go, to go back in. So these people, aside from being Nakba refugees and Naksa refugees, aside from living in Gaza, aside from living in a, in a, in a place where 95% of the water is undrinkable, because the water table has sunk below sea level, so sailing. And it's also worth mentioning that the majority of the population of Gaza are refugees. They are from 48 areas, yeah, yeah. particularly Yaffa and uh, Majdal. Well, you know, and, and the, the, you know the wonderful thing? This is what I, I, I had a, 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 an interaction, I was going to say a confrontation, it was more confrontational, uh, with an Israeli who um, said to me, no, but we, we've um, evacuated uh, uh, Gaza, mm. and we're not occupying it. I said, hold on, you evacuated. 8,000 settlers were moved. Ariel Sharon took the decision he's going to move these 8,000 settlers because the physical cost of looking after the 8,000 settlers amongst 1.5 or 1.6 million uh, Palestinians just wasn't worth it. So what he said, he said, come out of there, we'll lock that sh- that down, and we'll move you you know, back to Israel. Well, he moved them back to the West Bank. To, uh, to more settlers. To more settlers. On top of which, each one of them got, on average, US $200,000 in hurt money, hmm. yeah? And he said, we evacuated Gaza. And they made sure that the whole world will see how difficult, how difficult it how was. How painful. painful. And they did the yeah. same thing in Sinai, yeah, post-77. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I said to him, I said, you evacuated Gaza. You, you got no, it's not occupied anymore. He said, no. I said, I want you to use your mentality and think about this. And I'd like you and I to walk into a bank and evacuate that bank the way you evacuated Gaza and see if we can stay out of jail. Hmm. You didn't hmm. evacuate anything. You created the world's biggest open-air prison, and you created a cauldron, and you just keep turning the And it's the not up. like they left Gaza and left them alone. Mm-mm. They started a 10-year siege, and of course, they did, like you said, yeah, three, yeah. three cycles of vicious hostilities, and, and the rest goes it on. It is still occupied. Under mm. the Geneva Convention, uh, mm. Article 33, the fourth Geneva Convention, it is a war crime what is going mm. on there. And it's despicable that mm. it's being allowed to perpetuate and silence from the Western world. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, and and the economy has, you know, it's in a stage of what's called de-development. You know, we have uh, uh, the negative, the negative growth. Yeah. yeah, we've got situation where forty two percent of them, the Palestinians, are in a permanent state of poverty. Youth unemployment in sixty percent. Eighty percent of the people rely on international food aid to get their minimum sustenance. Mm. Over ninety percent of the water is undrinkable, <coughs> and with with with. With no working power station that is run by diesel fuel, 70% of the power is provided by Israel and 30% is provided by um, by the Egyptians. And at any stage, they can turn it off or not. And we're in a situation now where they are turning it off. And today, Gazans are getting less than two hours of satisfactory power uh, a day. Mm. And what does that mean for a student? Yeah, It means for a student... The best case is he, she might be studying by candlelight. Mm. And hopefully that candle doesn't tip and set the house on fire, as we know Mm. has happened. It means that maybe they're using a generator and the noise of a generator and the fumes of a generator. That's if they can afford the fuel to put in a generator Mm. to power power the house. Just for the listeners to understand, uh, I was watching a video last week from Year 12 students about just normal normal, uh, uh, Year 12 exams. And the feedback of the students was like, you know, the mathematics exam was very hard as if electricity problem is not enough mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. This, is, this is part of everything. You can't live in 2017 with 22 hours of your day without power. I mean, it's sickening. Just contemplate not having 22 hours of power a day and what that would mean to you. And, and just as a final point on, you know, giving us a background on Gaza, the United Nations has said that in 2020, Gaza is going to be uninhabitable. Because of the water. Uh, because of the water, because of the land. And the population. The, the population, the, the, the lack of arable land to be able to, yeah. to grow, the, 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 um, the fact that without power, um, the sewage uh, falls straight into the, the Mediterranean Sea that's po- poisoning the greatest source of mm. protein that the Gazans have, which is fishing. Um, the fact that the Israelis deny... Um, the, uh, the Gazan fishermen, the 10, in, 10 and 20 nautical miles that they're supposed to be able mm. to fish. So they're finish fishing in more shallow waters, three and five miles from, mm. from shore. So the, the fish they catch are smaller. They're being impacted by the, the sewage that's getting pumped in there. It, it's just a beggar's belief. And you know what's even worse than that? Before that, uh, did you want to say something, Robert? I just wanted to ask, what does that mean, uninhabitable in 2020? What does that mean for a human being? I mean, there's no work, there's no food. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to that population? Mortality rate will be the highest. And people will just, if they survive death, they will be very sick. And you will have the social problems. Crime rates will be higher. Uh, drug addictions, of course, is on the rise. And, of course, uh, there What's will be other, other yeah. everything will go to the direction you don't want to see in a place like, uh, in a contained place like this. Um, it's sickening. It's planned by Israel. Oh, yeah, it is definitely that. orchestrated. Uh, what's even worse than this is not only they impose this brutal siege, but Israel is presenting itself as a human. Uh, you know, oh, but beyond, we, beyond human, we we're took, a victim. We, we are we're a victim. If it wasn't for Hamas, we would, you know, everything would be okay. <laughs> it's 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 even you know, and and showing that we accept children from Gaza to be treated in our hospitals and they make sure that you know the media talks about that and I had you do you remember when we went to that forum yeah in in Melbourne they saw you know they it was it was it was actually a video at the beginning of the forum discussion that you know nevertheless we we treat them nicely we are trying to do our humanitarian obligations 
despite of the terrorism of the Palestinian counterpart. Nick, I, I wanted to ask both of you, it would be remiss of us not to mention the PA, mm. Hamas and Fatah, who are all involved. I read different articles about how some of the fractions are being asked to cut the power or whether or not they're going to. Mm. Can one of you or both of you give our listeners something on that? And I know that we don't get political and we're not going to be biased or unbiased on any particular party, but is there an easy way that one of you can explain it? Uh, <clears throat> there are two uh, opinions here. There, there is the, um, the opinion that uh, is circulated by Hamas media outlets blaming the Palestinian Authority and Mahmoud Abbas for using electricity as one of the bargaining power to achieve political agreement or disagreement with Hamas. And there is also the other opinion from the Palestinian Authority that, uh, on the other hand, Hamas is misusing the, 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 the generation and distribution of uh, power in, uh, in, in Gaza. So I guess our role here in Melbourne is, yes, we do acknowledge that there are internal issues. We do acknowledge that, you know, at the end of the day, Palestinians... You know, when you put uh, w- when you put them in pressurized vessel for so long period of time, uh, you don't expect great results coming out from political parties. There will be more errors than uh, good outcomes. There will be more opportunistic uh, representation, and there will be more bargaining. Yeah, I know that this is a limitation, but I still think that the core the core problem lies on Israel. One hundred percent, and we know that Israel's forcing the hand. Yes, it's actually forcing the hand and. The people but going. there are, of course, yes, and not not to try to uh, to to to, to wipe, yep. wash uh, any Palestinian political party. But yes, uh, this is an area of I would say misrepresentation because if we want to to to, to tackle that, everybody, every every uh, political party is responsible for the suffering. And I'm afraid that the people of Gaza have uh, they are fed up. With the with 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 what comes out from everybody, from Fatah, from Hamas, from PA, from uh, the lack of Islamic help from Jihad, the rest of the world as and well. And they feel that you know we don't really want to hear more explanations and more excuses, and you know we don't want to p- continue to play the blame throwing game. And because at the at the end it doesn't change anything on the ground, people will continue to suffer, and unemployment will be on of the course. rise, death will be on the rise, and you know I, I don't know what I don't know how how long people of Gaza will be able to tolerate that. Personally, mm. personally, I feel very um, um, very saddened on on a personal level. Of course, you know it's a, it's it's a collective suffering, but I feel that the peop- the people of Gaza. As if uh, siege is not enough, as if the war is not enough, and the list goes on, Th- they are being used in the in this political game, and uh, they feel that they've been neglected by everybody, and they've be they feel that they are hijacked by everybody, not just the Palestinian, but also the regional players. And now we know that the Gaza issue is part of the Saudi Qatari rift. We know that the Gaza issue is part of the Iranian Turkish issue. Mm. We know that the Gaza issue is part of the future plans of Egypt. And, you know, and as we speak today, there are negotiations between the rivals, between uh, Mohammed Dahlan, the uh, the Fatah uh, member who was kicked out from Fatah six years ago, and Hamas. These two actually were the reason why we are here in a state of division because of what happened from the period of 2000 to 2006. But nevertheless, they are 
together now agreeing on you know how we can benefit from that to, but unfortunately they are the only ones who are going to benefit not the people of gaza so i understand where the frustration of the people of gaza i know that 10 years after the siege they feel that everybody has let them down including ourselves well, let's not forget uh, when the parties were united, that's when Israel chose to start bombing again <coughs> because they couldn't have a unified uh, unified people. So. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I think like Nasser started saying, the world needs to acknowledge the suffering of two million Palestinians. I mean, all Palestinians suffer uh, somehow, uh, whether they are in Jerusalem, in West Bank, in exile. But the suffering of the people of Gaza is really uh, there pressing. Is, there, is no, there, is no, there is no comparison in the world today mm. to what is happening in Gaza today. There is no comparison. It's never been done to two million people this way, this systematically. This before, long. For this long. It, is, it has no parallels. And the no. fact that it's being able to be perpetuated is, is despicable. But just coming back a second, Yusuf, the reality is the Palestinian people have been dudded by successive Palestinian leadership. In fact, we are a dearth. There is a dearth of Palestinian leadership because we should be doing much more for our people, whether it's the ones in Gaza or in East Jerusalem or our 7 million refugees or our Palestinians from Yarmouk or in Sabran Shatila, Bujal Barajne. The Palestinians have have been denied their rights because A, of a dearth of leadership, and B, the ongoing despicability of Zionism and of the State of Israel. Yep. Um, On this note, I think we will uh, leave it uh, on Gaza, but uh, definitely Gaza will be on uh, our future episodes. We have uh, two minutes, uh, Nasser, before we end the show, and uh, I think we have one more item. We have one more item. We're very excited to announce that the uh, Nobel laureate Archbishop Desmond Tutu has um, decided to use his platform to nominate Marwen Barghouti for the Nobel Peace Prize for 2017, and he sent a letter out um, describing... Uh, the jailed Barghouti as a symbol of the Palestinian people and their struggle for freedom, which constitutes a clear signal of support for the realization of the Palestinian people's inalienable rights, including the right to self-determination. So a big shout out to our friends in South Africa. and the That Antioch. is excellent. Fantastic. That is excellent. And this is also in harmony with the um, the Tunisian uh, winners of Nobel Prize uh, last uh, year, I think two years ago, the Quartet they nominated Marwan Barghouti. So the nomination of Marwan Barghouti is happening in Tunis, in South Africa, in Belgium, and hopefully maybe Australia, will. our parliament should also join that, maybe. I'm not very optimistic, but at <laughs> least we can we can start. Well, I mean, you know, we had the South Australian uh, uh, resolution on, only a week and a bit ago, so any, anything could happen, you know. Okay, I think with this we have come to the end of uh, this week's episode. Uh, thank you, Nasser and Robert. And, Thanks, Yusuf. And um, next week, uh, I think uh, we will have. Uh, um, do we have uh, a pre? Uh, I would say, do we have something ready? I think or we might be talking about Jerusalem or Gaza again? or Palestine. But by all means, you know, I, I think one of the difficulty of talking about Palestine only half an hour a week. I want my listeners to understand that it is yes, it's heartwarming that we do have this outlet to speak about Palestine in English to Australians, but it's. Not easy because the Palestinian issue deserves at least, I mean, I don't want to say three or four hours a week. Uh, it is. It you know, we should do a show, Yusuf. We should do a show disclaiming the myth that Israel's a democracy. 
Yeah, absolutely. There we go. There's a, there's a really good show. Listen in next week, ladies and gentlemen, so you can hear why it's not a democracy. Excellent. Excellent. And also, I would like to thank our listeners for tuning in and for their support uh, on Radio Thorn. Until we meet next Saturday, have a great time and salam.